Thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you wanna know more about who we are, what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you wanna partner with us by giving into this ministry, we invite you to visit our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message from our Edmond Campus pastor, Wade Smith. My name is Wade Smith. I'm the Edmund Campus Pastor. Can you help me in welcoming the Edmund Campus today? So thankful for you. I miss you guys, but thankful that technology allows us to still be together today. And let's take just a second. I would like to honor our, pa- our lead pastor, Pastor John and Michelle Chastine. Aren't you thankful for Pastor John? You know, at the last, at the last uh, gathering, I, I, t- I said, you know, it's, it, sometimes you meet the pastor and you're like, oh, he's not as much like I thought he was going to be. He's not the same on the stage as he is off the stage. And what I'm thankful for um, in our lead pastor is that he is the very same on the stage as he is off the stage. And we, have a, we are blessed with who leads our church. Aren't you thankful for that? I want to I do something. I want to... Um, I want to take just a second. I want to pause because if, if you've been paying attention around the world, there's a lot of things happening right now. And really, to be honest, it suggests that a lot of birthing pains are happening in our world. It would suggest that we're entering the times that we read about. You know, it's an exciting time to, to be a Christ follower, to be honest, but it's also difficult. And in, um, and in Turkey and North Syria, there, are, there were some massive um, earthquakes that took place this week. And there, I think the, the running total right now is about 33,000 people have lost their life. And so I want to pray for that. But what also, at the very same time, um, as we enter these days, not only will we see things like tragedy take place, we'll also see God bringing up his people and encouraging his people and strengthening his people and bringing up a next generation. And so you may have noticed, but at Asbury College in Kentucky, there is revival taking place right now. And in fact, these students, I think they, they came for probably a, a, you know, like a chapel service. And I don't know about you, but, but I went to Oral Roberts University, so we had chapel services and all the students tried to do everything they could to avoid chapel service. These kids have come, they stayed. I think they're over 60 hours that they have not left. Now, I don't know if they're, if part of it's to get out some tests or what, but they are doing a really good job of worshiping and it's amazing to see what God is doing. And so at the very same time that we see what's happening in, in Turkey, we also see what's happening at Asbury College. And I'm praying that that same revival would begin to take place. And I'm praying that, that those that are, experiencing tragedy, I want you to pray this with me, that those who are experiencing tragedy would experience God through this process. And those who are Christ followers would be strengthened and encouraged and protected, but those who aren't would see the loving kindness of a God in despite a very difficult situation. Let's go ahead and pray for that if you'll, if you'll pray with me. Father, we love you. God, we thank you. God, we, we honor you. We worship you, God. And, and although it's a re- really difficult right now what's happening in in Turkey and Syria, Father, we pray for strength 
God, we pray for endurance. I pray, Lord, for safety for those who are Christ followers. Would you protect them right now? Would you help them find their relatives and those close to them? Would you show them your kindness and your mercy and your love? And those who do not know you, God, I pray, Lord, that you'd be seen through this situation. God, that you are a God that causes all things, even difficult things, to work together for good. So can we see some good come out of this? And I thank you, Lord, for what's happening at Asbury College. God, revival is taking place. And Lord, I pray that same revival would happen within our church, within our city, within our community. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen and amen. Well, we've been in this expecting season. How many of you guys have enjoyed this expecting season? It's been so good. Last, last week, Pastor John talked about false expectations. I encourage you to go back and watch that message. But we've been in this expecting season. And a couple weeks ago, Pastor Jimmy was supposed to, to speak. And if you remember, um, he ended up becoming sick and wasn't able to. And so God, that week, actually began to stir this word in me and show me new revelation for what happens in this story. We're gonna turn, if you would, turn with me to Acts 16, verses 16 through 26. And we've heard, you may have heard this story if you've been a Christ follower for many, many years. You may have heard this story, but I believe God gave me new revelation for this story that I wanna share with you today. It says this in verse 16, it says, once when we were going to a place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money by her owners by, by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed. How many of you guys have been there before? Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. Now, listen, husbands, for just a second. I know there's times that your spouse annoys you. I would not recommend turning and saying, in the name of Jesus, that would probably not really work out well for you. I'm trying to save your marriage for just a second. That's bonus. So at, the moment, at that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities, they brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Say carefully. When he had received these orders, he put them in the inner cell, say inner cell, and fastened their feet in stocks. I want you to hold on to that. We'll talk about that in just a moment. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake, the foundations of the prison were shaken at once. All the prison doors flew open, and everyone, say everyone, everyone's chains came loose. The title of the message today that I wanna to talk to you about that God has been revealing to me is that hindsight is 2020. 
And oftentimes when we read the Bible, we read the Bible with the end in mind. We know the story. So as we read through the story of Paul and Silas, it's very imprisoned. It's very easy for us to miss what's happening in the moment because we're not in the situation. For us, we read the story and we know that breakthrough is coming, right? We know that, that an earthquake is coming. We know that, that, that the chains are gonna fall off. We know the people are gonna walk out. But I have to think to myself in that moment, they didn't have hindsight. What was that moment like for them? I like to read scripture through that lens often and put myself in the story because it reveals things to me and reveals maybe some emotions they would have or maybe thoughts that they might have or, or maybe, maybe decisions that they might make because we don't know the end of the story. In fact, my first point today is this, is where you stand determines what you see. Where you stand determines what you see. Paul and Silas found themselves in a prison cell. What they saw was an inner cell with their feet in stocks. That's what they see. And in hindsight, I wonder if Paul and Silas would have made a few decisions differently had they known where they would end up. You ever been there? Anybody would like to do something in hindsight? Like, uh, give me a redo. Anybody want to redo? There's been many times in my life I can think through many, and I almost gave an example, but I'm not gonna do that right now. There's many times in my life that if I look back and in hindsight, I wish that I could do things differently. I wish that I could make some decisions just a little bit differently, and I wonder, I wonder if Paul and Silas in this moment would have done things differently, if they would have just ignored her. I don't know, maybe not, but I wonder if they would have just ignored what was going on because they had a place to be because they didn't have hindsight. In fact, they had, they had one line of sight that you and I have in any given situation. They didn't have hindsight, they had foresight. Foresight is the ability to predict or the action of predicting what will happen or needed in the future. We all do this, don't we? Anytime we're making a decision in life, there's something that, there's something that we're facing in life, we, we oftentimes will look into the future. If you're like me, I like to know all the details. Any detail people? I wanna know the details of the decisions I'm making, right? I wanna know what it's gonna be like. I wanna know what, what's, what things I'm gonna run to. Now, I wanna know what hiccups I might face. I wanna know all those details, but the truth is we can only predict. And this is what an expectation often is. And, and the false expectation happens when we get so caught up on what we predict that we make our way his way. Anybody, any Apple Map fans? Or, let me just ask you this. How many are Apple Maps versus Google Maps? Apple Map people? You holy people, you. How many Google Map people? There's way more of you, you heathens. You need to listen to this message today. I'm, I'm glad you're in church. I don't know about you, but, but it's, it's funny that I put on Apple Maps because really my whole purpose in putting on Apple Maps is because it gives you the ETA, the estimated time of arrival. Anybody like, like the estimated time? I like the estimated time of arrival because I try to beat the estimated time of arrival. Anybody else like me? You're racing the clock. The problem is she just readjusts every, every so often. So I never, it's always on time. It's like, it's like, my, it's like my relationship with God. Like I wanna get there a little bit early but God's like, no, it's gonna be in my timing, people. I remember just a couple weeks ago, I was, I was headed to, uh, 
to the Grapevine campus. Man, God is doing amazing things at the Grapevine campus, by the way. It is so cool to see how he is growing that. And so I was headed to the Grapevine campus to, to kind of just be there. And, uh, and I don't know what it is about I-35, but it is under construction 24-7, 365. I think the whole purpose in I-35 is to stay under construction. They just find a pothole, oh, we're going to take a year on that. And I got to Paul's Valley. Anybody been driving I-35 south lately? I got to Paul's Valley. I despise Paul's Valley from this point on. I used to love Paul's Valley. There was a fishing place I used to love, but now I just can't stand Paul's Valley because there's this detour. So I'm getting to Paul's Valley, and I'm in a hurry. You ever been in a hurry? You're like, I, I don't have time for this, Siri. Like, I need you to be on my timing. It's like a relationship with God. God, I'm in a hurry here, God. I, need, I don't need you to slow me down. I don't need any detours, but I get to Paul's Valley, and it tells me I need a detour. But what do you think I did? I thought, you know what? I think she's just going to readjust. She's wrong right now. She sees a little bit of traffic, but it's not going to be as bad because it was saying it was going to take me 30 minutes to, uh, to do this detour. And I thought, surely I can beat 30 minutes. Well, it took me an extra 45 minutes, actually. I, I missed it by, no, actually an hour. So I, I, I delayed my time an extra 30 minutes on top of the detour that she was estimating. And this is what happens with us oftentimes. We think we know the way, don't we? Because the truth is, we, we, where we stand determines what we see. We don't know the bigger picture and Paul and Silas only had foresight. In fact, in verse 16, here's what it says. It says, once we were going to a place of prayer. There's the expectation right there, right? They had an expectation. I don't know about you, but that expectation was a good expectation. They were on their way to do the Lord's work. They were going to a prayer meeting. That's where they were headed. They had no idea this detour was going to take place, but can I just remind some people, when you're doing the Lord's work, you can expect a detour. In fact, Pastor John talked about what to expect when expecting just a few weeks ago. I encourage you to go back and watch that because if you have any expectation that God is going to move, you can expect, you can expect a detour. And this is where many of us find ourselves right now. We, we, we have predicted that we would be in a little bit different place, right? I uh, saw a, a post from a, a kid that used to, I used to coach soccer in the Tulsa area when I was going to ORU, and he posted, I think he's like 30-something years old and early 30s, and he said, I thought I would be further along than I am right now in life. And someone else commented right under that and said, that's how we all feel. Because oftentimes in life, we, we predict where we'll be, and we find ourselves in a very different situation. Some of you predicted you'd have the perfect marriage and you're like, how in the world did I end up with this person? No, but the truth, you end up, you're separated now. And you're like, how in the world did we end up here? I didn't know this. When I, that, the day that I said I do, I thought we would live happily ever after and never have a fight and now we are where we are. Or some of you, you prayed you know, for the perfect, you have the perfect spouse, you'd have the two kids, but you've ended up like me with four kids. And now you have to spend a lot of time praying. <laughs> or maybe for you, you thought you'd have the perfect house, the perfect job, and you're like, now, where? God, I thought I'd be in a different season. For some of you, it gets really real because you, you went to a doctor recently and you got a report that you thought you would never get. 
And the doctor said something like the word cancer or the word disease, and, and you can't believe where you sit. I know, I know people right now at the Eben campus that have diagnosis that they just never thought that they would have. Some people, a friend of mine who's a pastor um, has recently become separated from his spouse. He never thought he would be where he's at. He's taken a leave of absence from his job. He never thought he would be. Many of you feel like, you're, you're like, I had no idea. I thought I was on my way to a prayer meeting. I thought I was on my way to something good. God, I wanna do something great for you, but there's a detour that's taking place and I don't know why I'm here. This is how the Israelites felt whenever you remember Moses is delivering the Israelites and they'd seen time after time, seen God perform miracle after miracle after miracle and they end up at the Red Sea and then they're, they're, they're like, are you serious? How did we end up here? We're stuck. And they say this to Moses. They said, Would you, like, why did you deliver us out of Egypt just for us to become a corpse in the wilderness? I'd rather be a slave. He says this, I'd rather be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. And many of us find ourselves in spots where we just can't believe we are where we are. But the truth is, and let me, let me encourage you, is that you can only see, your view is only so far. Where you stand, what you, where you stand right now determines what you see, and you can't see the bigger picture. You don't know what God is up to. You don't know what God has in the future. And I'm not saying that God has caused you to be where you are, but I am saying this. The story's not over yet. You just have to keep having faith in the God who holds the future. We sang about that just a little bit ago. That God has a future and God has a plan. And in Romans 8, 28, it says, God causes all things, like we prayed, all things, to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So the first thought is where you stand determines what you see. The second thought is this, what you see determines what you do. What you see determines what you do. It says this in verse 25, it said about midnight, so they had just been thrown in to prison, right? The, the jailer says, gets the instructions to guard them carefully and at that point, he says, okay, I'm, I'm taking this seriously because a Roman, a Roman um, jailer at that time had to take responsibility for those who were in prison. So if they were to get out, then he could lose his life. And so he takes it very seriously. It says he puts them in the inner cell, right? And he fastens their feet in stalks as if to say, this is final. You're not going anywhere at this point. And then in verse 25, we see their response. Here's what it says. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and all at once the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. That response, if, you, if we're really honest, how many of us would have responded the same way? Because if you put me in the inner cell of the prison and, the inner stock, and, the, and put my feet in stocks and it feels like it's as final as it must have felt to them and probably in a dark room, they probably can't see a whole lot. If you put me in that position, I'm probably, woe is me. I'm probably thinking to myself, God, how in the world did I get here? Yet Paul and Silas had a 
completely different response because they were able to see something that you and I oftentimes can't see. They had another line of sight. It wasn't high in sight yet. It wasn't foresight. The line of sight that they saw was insight. Insight is the capacity to gain an accurate and deep intuitive understanding of a person, thing, or situation. This is like those moments whenever things aren't just the way, like you can tell. You ever been any intuitive people? Like you just know that something else is at work in this moment. Paul and Silas had this, had this ability to have insight despite their current situation. They had seen God move and they had experienced God enough to know that, listen, things may not just seem the way that they are right now. God, and at the end of the day, even if nothing changes, God, you're worthy. Even if, listen, even if nothing changes and I find myself rotting in this prison cell, even if nothing changes, because they didn't know an earthquake was coming like we talked about. All they knew was where they were but they saw something else. Check out how 2 Corinthians puts this in 4, 16 through 18. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal, say eternal, an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix, say fix. So we fix our eyes what on, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. They were able to fix their eyes on the very fact that maybe God is up to something or even, even if he doesn't, he is still worthy of my worship. What's interesting was they were on their way to a prayer meeting. I'm sure there was gonna be worship that was taking place at that prayer meeting. The only thing that changed was the location. The agenda did not change. The location of where they were gonna worship may have changed, but their agenda did not change. And this is the test that you and I face. Just because we're not where we want to be doesn't mean that we can't worship God for who he is because he is worthy. And just because my marriage hasn't worked out the way that I thought it would, or my kids aren't where I thought they would be, or I have the job that I thought I would have, or the life that I thought I pictured, will we worship regardless of where we are because the agenda does not change. He is worthy regardless of where we stand. And if we're able to see beyond what is physical, beyond what is seen, because what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. God was doing something eternal in that moment that we're gonna see here in just a little bit. He was doing something eternal. But what I do oftentimes is I pray, God, where's my breakthrough? I've prayed this, God, why haven't you healed me? You ever been there? I've, been, I've prayed this a lot, and I'll talk about it in a little bit. I've even had those moments where I've said, God, why would you allow me to go through this? Paul and Silas were able to see something just a little bit different. And they simply worshiped regardless of their situation because he is worthy. Romans 5, three through four says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us 
develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. It's in the moments when it doesn't feel right and it feels like it's feels like it's, it, I shouldn't be where I'm at, but I'm able to have some insight to know that, God, you're doing something. If nothing else, you're doing something in me. If nothing else, you're strengthening me. If nothing else, you're giving me some confidence. If nothing else, you're giving me hope. Romans 12, 12 says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. And at once the doors flew open and everyone's chains came Loose. The insight that God gave me in this, in this message made me realize that God wanted to make an impact on people. Paul and Silas originally thought that the people he wanted to impact was at the prayer meeting. When who he really wanted to impact was those who were in jail. And if we're not careful, we can get so caught up in what we think God wants to do that we miss what God really wants to do. And just maybe, just maybe, you've been praying for God to take you out of that job and God says, no, I have a job for you to do in that job. And your job in that job has nothing to do with your job. It has to do with the people around you in that job. Or maybe God would say, I want to do something in your journey, but you've just got to stay faithful. You've just got to stay true to my word. Can we have enough insight to realize that God wants to do more than what's just in our foresight? Can we recognize that God has a bigger plan at play, a bigger purpose in mind? And sometimes, even if, even if it's not God's plan for us to be where we are, even if we're not supposed to be right where we are in this very moment, even in that, God can still use it. He can do something in us and he can do something around us. God wanted to do something in the people that were in the jail, not necessarily people that were at the prayer meeting. His agenda was different and so they worshiped him. Thought three is this. So where you stand determines what you see. What you see determines what you do. Thought three is this. What you do proves who you trust. Acts 16, this is the part of the story that I, that I love the most. Um, because I didn't read this part earlier, but I want us to, to look at this. Because God had one more person in mind. He didn't have just those who were in prison in mind. He also had somebody else as the jailer. Check this out in verse 27. It says the jailer woke up. So that's interesting to me to begin with. Like the jailer thought I'd done my job so good that I can just go to sleep. Because what did he do? He put them in the inner cell. He fastened their feet as if to say, listen, it's done. These guys aren't getting out. And he takes a little nap and all of a sudden an earthquake comes and it wakes him up. And it says that when, the prison, when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prison Prisoners had escaped, but Paul and Silas had enough insight, listen, that even though the prison doors opened, they didn't just run just immediately because they saw a jailer who was about to take his life. And it says, but Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. 
The jailer called for the lights and rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought out that he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in Jesus, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. And that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds, and immediately him and all his household were baptized. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of those moments when you've come into this and you've experienced God and we're having a baptism worship. There was the last worship, the last worship night, there were spontaneous baptisms. Someone gives their life to Christ, like I can't wait for the next baptism. I'm jumping in right now. Give me a change of clothes, I'm ready to go. It says, at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. God had a bigger plan than just Paul and Silas. God had a bigger plan than just the people that were in the jail because God is a generational God and God wanted to make a generational impact on a jailer and his life. That his future, that his generations and generations to come would look different because of what Paul and Silas, because they saw, because listen, here's, here, because what you do proves who you trust. And these, this jailer saw two people, despite their situation, despite where they ended up, despite what it looks like, they were willing to worship God because he's worthy. Can I just remind some people that people are watching you? And I don't say that to add pressure to you, I say that to encourage you. When you go into your job and it feels like it's pointless, people are watching you the way that you live your life. They're watching the way that you worship. Can I remind you that, that I was thinking about, I was thinking about this um, as I was praying about this yesterday. I was literally thinking about this story and I was praying about this yesterday. I was thinking about this jailer. And I was thinking about the very fact that um, his whole household was saved. Paul and Silas had no idea this was gonna take place. And I began to think about maybe someone here that you're in a difficult spot or maybe you're just in a, a job that you don't wanna be in like we talked about. Maybe your job is to, because God has something, a job for you to do in the middle of that job and maybe that job that God has to do with you isn't even necessarily about your coworkers. What if it's about their children? What if the way that you worship God, despite your circumstances, where you find yourself today, despite being in a prison cell, because I recognize that many of us, you, you feel like you're in a prison. But what if the way that you, you persevere and you have, your, you have your down times, but you pick yourself back up and you put your faith and you fix your eyes on Jesus and you fix your eyes on what is unseen instead of what is seen. What if that leads to somebody else's child forever being changed and their generation and generation after that and generation after that. Could God use us in that way? I believe he can. I believe God wants to do something far bigger 
than anything that we can have foresight for, even even bigger than we can have insight for. Because as we look back on our story, the only time that we look back on our story, we see it in hindsight, but God sees that hindsight in the future. Check this out, listen to this. Here's in Isaiah 46, 10, he says, only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything I, everything I plan will come to pass for I do whatever I wish. And I've gotten to a place in my life where I'm like, you know what, God, I want your plan beyond mine. I want whatever you wish to take place. I was thinking about just my own personal journey. And I know many of you are facing far greater tragedies and hard things than I've ever faced. But just to, if you don't know me very well, you, I've passed a lot of kidney stones. Um, I say 20, but my wife's like, no, it's more like 50. I mean, it's, it's been a lot of kidney stones. And then I've also had two back surgeries. And so there's been these moments when, when I find myself in the middle of the night, not being able to do anything else, but find myself on my knees in a dark living room. It's my prison. I know it's not near as bad as what Paul and Silas went through or what you're going through, but that's, in that moment, that's my prison. It's not where I wanted to end up. It's not what I wanted to be dealing with. It's not time and time again. And I find myself get into a place where all I want to do when I, in the early days of getting kidney stones, I would just pray for breakthrough. I'd say, get it out. I, I want to get through this. My, now when I face something, I say, God, I just want your will. God, I want, I want God, would you just be with me, your presence to be with me through this time? And in hindsight, I look back at all those things, everything that I've been through and what I've realized is this is that God was at work the whole time. There's new fruit that he's produced in me because of what I've personally walked through. And even better than that, there's things that he's pruned from me. I believe I'm a better father. I believe I'm a better husband. I even believe I'm a better pastor because of difficult things that I've walked through. And I just got into a place where it's like, you know what, no matter what I'm going through, can we just get to the place, can we pass the test that no matter what we're going through, no matter how difficult it seems, no matter how, how hard it is, that we will worship you regardless because you are worthy. You are worthy of it. He's a generational God. I... Uh, During, my, during one of my uh, kidney stones, I was late at night and I was, I was reading the Bible and I came across a name of God that I'd never um, really studied before. And it's Jehovah Shammah. Have you heard this one before? A lot of us haven't ever heard this one because we talk about a lot of the other names of God, but a lot of us don't, we don't, I've never I had never at that point heard of Jehovah Shammah. You know what it means? The God who is there. And I broke down. I'm telling you, I was in my living room and I broke down in worship. As I was reading this, I broke down because what, I, what God was telling me is, listen, it may feel difficult right now and it may be impossible right now and you may feel like it's never gonna get better, but I am there in the midst of your pain. I am there right where you're at. Can I remind some people today that your marriage feels like it's separated right now, but let me just tell you something. If you'll seek him and you'll fix your eyes on him, that you can meet Jehovah Shammah, the God who is there. 
Listen, you may feel like your job is impossible. You may feel like you got the worst report from the doctor. Can I remind some people today that you can serve Jehovah Shammah right where you're at, right the prison cell where you find yourself. The God who is there. That he is there right where you're at. For those of you who'd say your kids are far from Christ, my prayer is that they would meet right where they're at, no matter where they find themselves today, no matter what they did last night, no matter what room they woke up in today, that they would meet Jehovah Shammah, the God who is there. Would you stand to your feet for just a second? I want us to worship for just a moment. And wherever you stand right now, whether you're at the beginning of this journey or you're looking back in hindsight and you can worship from a place of thankfulness because you can see how God worked or you find yourself right in the middle of your prison, I wanna encourage us, could we take just a moment? It does not, it does not matter where we stand. The agenda does not change. Whether we are in a prayer meeting or a prison, our response is to worship him. Father, we, we give you this moment, we give you this time. Father, and we worship you. God, we thank you for how good you are. Would you reveal yourself, Jehovah Shammah, would you reveal that you are here with us? Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.